This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to the Metapod, the podcast that tackles puberty's wicked older sister, one gin and tonic at a time. Although, frankly, here in lockdown, it's seldom just one. No. I'm, indeed. I'm Susan Lee, uh, print editor of the Liverpool Echo, and I'm joined today by my friend uh, and fellow journalist, Dawn Collison. Hello. Hello. So in this episode of the Metapod, we're going to be talking about sex and relationships. Feels like this should be a bit like Metapod after dark. Um are you still having it? Do you still want it? Does it get better with age? Or do you now prefer a night with Netflix rather than a night of passion? Um, it's a thorny topic for a lot of older women. Just when you think the kids have left home and you find you've got more opportunity to have sex, your hormones kick in and your libido falls off a cliff. Or actually, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe your sex life has never been better and your husband maybe has gone off the boil a little bit. Um, and then there's the question of relationships, how they change when you get older um, and how you keep them fresh and fun, I guess. Um, there's also the question, the very topical question, of how the lockdown has affected our love life and our relationships in general. Maybe being cooped up with your partner has reignited that spark, or has all that sustained proximity made you, frankly, eye the spare room with relish? A bit later on, we'll be chatting to counsellor and psychosexual therapist Gail Thorne about why it's good to talk, whether you can teach an old dog new tricks, and whether now is a good time to try here in menopause land, perimenopause land. So, how is it for you? I haven't seen it for ages. It's a lockdown thing. I haven't managed to have a good gab over a G&T or a brew for forever. I'm seeing too many, uh, too much of some people. Not enough of others, so... <laughs> when you say you're seeing too much of some people... Or of which, yeah. Well, no, do you know what? I, everybody I've spoken to, and I've spoken to lots of girlfriends about this, and we've all said, you know, there's a tiny bit of envy for the people who are in lockdown on their own, isn't there? <laughs> What do you mean, a tiny bit? Just a tiny bit. Sometimes, equally, I've got friends who are in lockdown on their own, and I, and and they'll go, oh, you know, but you know, there can be days without seeing anybody, and, and people I know are going, yes, <laughs> days without seeing. How lovely. Do you know what? And I think I'm probably the same as everybody else in this, or most other people in this. It's up and down. It's up and it's down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, save the carry on bit for later, Sue. <laughs> Honestly, sauce too early. Sorry. So, it, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of. I think there are times when it's pr- 
tense. Tense is possibly the word. I think yes. if we were being kind, we'd say challenging. It's challenging. It's tense. And you're just a bit... You really can sometimes have too much of a good thing, can't you? I would agree. I mean, I'm working from home. My best yes. half goes out to work every day. So um, I'd welcome I'm, that, Sue. Oh, I'm quite resentful of him going to work because um, I'd like I'd like to go out to work. But anyway, yeah. I'm toddles, and it means that you know I'm on my own for whatever twelve hours a day, and um, because the kids aren't with us. And then he comes back, and then within about half an hour, I think. When are you going again? <laughs> yes, it's been lovely, but... Oh, but then, Sue, you know what that's like? That's like when you have relatives come to stay and the first yes. thing you ask them is, when are you leaving? Oh, my, you're going to start doing that to, You're going to start doing that to your husband, aren't you? You'll be home and you'll be like, so when are you leaving? I think it's because there's a lack of external influences. Do you know what I mean? So in normal yes. days, yeah. you'd go to the pub, you'd meet your friends, you'd go out to work, you'd go out and meet your mate, like I'd meet you for a coffee or whatever. And all of that is stripped away here yeah. in lockdown. I know it's getting better. I know things yes. are improving. But for the last 11 weeks, 12 weeks, it's just been, you're kind of locked together, aren't you? Um, oh, yes. And even if you do have to... For have better kids, or worse. So. <laughs> for richer, for poorer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, I think a lot of people have found it really, really hard. And that does have an impact on your relationship and on your sex life, I guess, because, you know, you, you, you want to be, well, number one, you might have kids at home for the first time in ages. Well, that kind of puts some mockers on things sometimes. But also, it, it maybe swinging from the chandeliers anymore. So not well, not you know, not with the, when the kids were here. No, um, but also absence doesn't say that. Like you made it, can I just what? say you say what? that like the minute they stepped out of the door, you were like literally dusting off the chandeliers again and going, <laughs> "Where? Hey, Way frankly off down the street." I've put too much weight on to swing from the chandeliers. The oh, plaster have come down. Lockdown. Oh, it'd be shocking. But like a carry-on film, you know, the plaster comes off. And you couldn't um, get a builder in soon, not anymore. For love and the money. So, you know, sometimes absence doesn't necessarily make the heart grow fonder. I, just, I, I mean, I love my husband dearly. He's a, he's a lovely, lovely man. He makes me tea every night. What can I say? I'll but, attest to that. Absolutely. Man. And you're, I, I know your husband. He's a really nice guy as well. But I think... But could they just go away for a bit? For a bit longer, yeah, absolutely. Because lockdown is challenging. And then having kind of the whole mood swing thing, because we're all in perimenopause, is just another layer on top of that. So whereas before lockdown, I could go and see you and go, yeah. or whatever. Now I can't. There's, you know, you, you, you're left with it. I've got to go and lock myself in the bathroom and have a shower. <laughs> There's not as many release valves, is there? You know, you know no. those little potential release valves. Joan Collins, Sue, and I like to live my life by what Joan Collins would say. What would Joan say? What would Joan say? What would Joan do? God, if we're all like Joan, <laughs> when we're happy when we're days, down, when we're 80 or however old Joan is, will we not all be rejoicing? She's 103 if she's a day, Joan Collins. Don't surely. say that. She may be listening. Okay. Oh, because I'll be really pleased if she is, and I don't want to offend. Okay. Sorry, Joan. She's amazing, though, isn't she? Yes. So, Joan says, and I think it was Joan, but I might have quoted her wrongly now, but she said, not one person can't be everything to you. you yeah, know, that's what, true. What, what it takes to make you happy is a collection of, of other people's influences yeah. and input and whatever. And I think what's happened is 
we've lost all of those other influences and input. And we have kind of been left with the one person who for many things is perfect for us. Yeah. But but no one nobody's everything to somebody, are they? And I, I think that's why it's unhealthy if they are. I think it would too. I look at I'm not judging people, but then yet again I am. I look at some people's relationship and think a little bit too codependent. Mm, and if bit. you are everything to everybody, then yeah. I, I look. On the other hand, I look at old people holding hands in the park and think, oh. Don't well, you? maybe it comes round full circle. So, you know, we are, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone, or maybe it is, women in our early 50s. When, in the first flush of, of love, back in the, you know, when you were in your 20s, 30s, it's one thing. You then move into a different stage in your 40s and 50s. Um, yeah. Particularly because, obviously, you know, you're both in midlife and there's the whole perimenopause thing going on and change and re-evaluation. Then maybe by the time you get into your 70s again, you're back in love. Yeah. Not that you were yeah. not out of love, but you just no, moved no. to a different stage. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And by the time you're 70, maybe, you know, the sex isn't important, but, or as important. I think the, it is to Joan. Joan's, Joan's just saying. Yeah, no, you're right. But for most people, for most mortals, I think maybe you come out the other end of this phase and by the time you get perhaps into your late 50s or early 60s, maybe earlier, actually, sex is fantastic again. And I, I don't mean in the, you know, we're right. in very specific... Well, but we're in very specific lockdown land at the moment. But yeah. when all this is over, talking in general terms, I do wonder whether, you know, it, it gets better. Perhaps you have a dip. Most women, most men may have a dip and then you come out the other side. Use it or lose it, though, I guess. Yes, and you, you've got to find ways, I think, to then not lose it. Because yeah. I think, we all know, Sue, the, long, the more you don't have it, the more you don't want it. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. So, uh, you, you unlike get, gin. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the more you don't have it, the more you should probably continue not having it. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. but no, you're right, you do you use it or lose it. Totally. Yes, sports, however... Another friend said to me, do you know what, Sid, it's kind of relationships, you sort of, you, you're right, you do move into different phases, you move into different phases with your sex life, and it's one of those things where it's kind of like driving a car. You know when you first start to drive a car, you have to consciously think about every gear change? Yeah. Get to our, our age, too. You just drive, don't you? <laughs> you don't you have to what? worry about which knob to you've press. Been, no, oh, sorry, doing... I've peaked too early again. You really have. I'm sorry. <laughs> But you just get it, you drive, you yeah. know what you're doing. It's you familiar. But it, in a good way. So, yeah. you know, some, sometimes you can open it up so on the motorway. <laughs> I've stretched my, my driving analogy too far now. I think you might have. I, but I like it. it. But I know what you mean. It is familiar. It's comfortable. You know. No, comfortable you, sounds like a negative thing, though. No, I don't think it could be. No, no, no. I think for some people, comfortable sounds is a good. cosy. Well, is there something wrong with being cosy with your sex life? I don't know. No, maybe I don't not. Know. I don't know. I think familiar, comforting, comfortable. And... Comforting. Maybe <laughs> that's the wrong word as well. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when he's got nursing home sex now. So. Oh, not nursing sex home in sex. your fifties. Nursing home sex is another episode, my friends. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, no, you're right. Please, please delete the word comforting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe comforting is not right. Comfortable, familiar. Okay, not, that's good. 
familiar. You know, we both You're been with partners. You're on space ground, aren't you? You're on space yes. ground. Yes, yes. And absolutely. therefore you can do what you like. Let's introduce a woman who does know the answer to many, many things. Gail Thorne, who has been working with Relate uh, Cheshire and Merseyside for the past 25 years, I think, and is passionate about supporting couples and individuals as they navigate what can only be described as a rather tricky aspect of their lives. Choppy waters, Sue. Choppy waters. Gail. It's an interesting time for relationships, isn't it, Gail? <laughs> I mean, we've got the combination of relationships in lockdown, relationships in menopause. Relationships in menopause in lockdown sounds like a recipe for mayhem, doesn't it? Is it? Well, well it certainly sounds. Um, it certainly sounds like a, a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, starting with relationships in lockdown. Um, it's absolutely the case that, um, you know, it's it's what we call an existential crisis, really. Everything that you knew about your life, your all your certainties, all of your uh, roles and responsibilities have completely changed. So everything that you that you kind of were is now different. Yes. In the sense that you're, you know, you, you may be furloughed, working from home. You may now have become the teacher of your children. You may now be spending more time with your children than you normally did, spending more time with your partners, uh, with your partner than you normally did. And, of course, it's all framed by this threat of the possibility of catching something that we can't actually see or grasp hold of. Yeah. So I think it's a difficult time for everybody. Um, I don't know that the menopause makes it any more difficult. (laughs) Well... Uh, you say that, Gay. <laughs> it might do, might it? I don't know. Do you find, though, that because obviously women who are going through the menopause are in a slightly heightened hormonal state anyway, and therefore maybe the crises and the, and the, the, the external pressures that we've got in lockdown, we might have been better able to cope with them and a little bit, because we can be a little bit up and down mood-wise when you're going through the the menopause, can't you? And therefore, I felt calmer before and maybe I might have felt more able to cope with what's going on. Not that I don't feel able to cope now, but I think maybe I'm a little bit more susceptible to being emotionally reactive to things now. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say and everybody will have their own truth about their kind of present circumstances but you know it'd be difficult to say whether that was due to all of yeah. the changes that you're experiencing or um you know the menopause it would be difficult to be specific um but the you know one of the things i kind of i'm keen to get across is that, that the menopause period of a woman's life is is a is a time where it's matched really with some difficulties for men yeah um, think it's not often not recognized and so what you have is two people swirling around together in in a in a in quite a significant change for both of them and maybe not really understanding where the other one's coming from um, i mean i just caught, pulled up the nhs website this morning to see what what they talk about for men and i don't know if any of these symptoms ring any bells for you but <laughs> Common symptoms for men in this age are mood swings, irritability, loss of muscle mass, reduced ability to exercise, fat redistribution such as a large belly or man boobs, 
a lack of enthusiasm or energy, difficulty sleeping or increased tiredness, poor concentration and short-term memory. Now, those are descriptions about men at this time of life. And, you know, they I'm sure they ring bells for women too. And if you've got two people yeah. kind of um, dance, you can imagine how difficult it can be for them as a couple. Oh, definitely. And I think... I mean, a friend of mine said, and, and it's a, it's a sort, of, it's become a little bit of a, a, a lockdown joke, if you like, that one of the reasons that people have been married for a long time is because they spend usually quite a lot of time apart, and we do, <laughs> don't we? Unless, yeah. you, unless you work with your partner, and so then you're with, you tend to be with them twenty four seven. You go out of the house in the morning, and there's a large period of day where you're not together, and then you come back, and you've got things to talk about, and you've both had things happen to you, and all these kind of things. Now, of course, we're not, are we? And it, it's kind of put everybody's relationships in a slightly different light, hasn't it? Because you are together. The, I think the only other time you spend so much time together is when you're on holiday. Yeah. And of course, that's exciting and you're in a different yeah. environment and things are happening to you all the time, aren't they? Whereas now, nothing's happening to us, is it? Yeah. Even the things that normally happened aren't happening. Yeah. So, it, yeah, the pressures, are, the pressures are greater, aren't they, surely? They are indeed. And I mean, you know, when, you know, working with couples as I do, you know, what they'll quite often say is they'll quite often say, you know, they get on well on holiday. Yeah. Um, and of course, this isn't a holiday. Um, and you're absolutely right in what you're saying about, um, about you know, being able to be away from each other and coming back into the relationship. But the ingredients of making it work are exactly the same um, as any relationship working, really. Because um, people sometimes say to me, you know, what's, What's the secret of a good relationship? As if there is a thing called a relationship which always stays okay. Yeah. And, of course, it doesn't. And what I know to be the case, really, is the relationships that survive are the people who can negotiate and navigate the difficult times. And, you know, this has clearly got to be one of the most difficult times that a lot of people will have experienced. Because, as I say... There are so many threats, you know, there are, there, there's so much uh, talk about, you know, people coming out of furlough and their jobs having been, you know, they're, they're being made redundant, they're losing their income, you know, there's so many threats, you know, aside from catching this terrible thing, um, that it's, uh, it's a very tricky, traumatic time for people. Yeah. I mean, I just wondered, given that we now have more time together, generally, couples have more time together at the moment, is it a good time to examine your relationship and to look at how things are? Or is it the very worst time to examine your relationship <laughs> because of all these external pressures and because it's a, such an unnatural time, if you like? Should we, should we kind of put it on hold and think, well, okay, I've realised that there's an issue with that, but maybe now isn't the time to address that issue or is now very much the time to address it? Well, I guess, I guess it sort of depends a bit on what the issues are. I mean, one of the yeah. phenomena that we notice in in relay and in working with couples is is what is what we know to be the Christmas period. So people um, drop off coming for counselling before Christmas because clearly what they're doing is they're thinking to themselves, you know, oh, it's just Christmas. I'm going to pull myself together and get through it, and you know, everything will be fine. And then, of course, after Christmas, what they're telling themselves is, "I'm never doing that again. That was the worst thing ever." Yeah. And they need some help to sort it out. Um, the the kind of the general um, relationship issues 
are really best sorted out with with what I would call good communication. And um, communication is quite often, you know, if, if you say to a couple, uh, you know, you need about communication, they go, oh, we talk all the time. And that isn't what we mean by communication. We mean saying what you mean, meaning what you say, and having your partner understand what you've said and being able to respond to what you're saying. Um, and that is quite a skill uh, that that some people have naturally and some people need to learn. So I think if those skills are in place and you know that you're good at that kind of conversation, are you um, responsive to me? Are you with me are you empathic towards me if you're good at that sort of thing and you find you have it so having some relationship difficulties then by all means you know use those skills to sort them out if you're not and mm. your partner's um uh, insistence that you have a conversation about your relationship causes you to shut down and shut off then probably not so it might, yeah, it might be worse. So then in, if that's the case and you're not a, a couple that naturally communicate on that level so that you, you're good at communicating in a chit-chatty level and in a, a yeah. kind of fairly informal level, but you're not people who sit down and, and, and do that, what, what then should you do if you do find there's pressure building? Because I think a lot of people, and I've spoken to friends who've said, it's it's been a gradual building of pressure, I think, while the lockdown's been going on. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it was a novelty at first, and yeah. then it becomes consider you know much less of a novelty the longer it's gone on. Yeah. So what should you do then? What's a, what's a good kind of coping strategy to get you through it if you're not naturally the kind of people who sit down and and examine and talk frankly about your relationship? Well, one of the things that. Um you know, we talk, well, I, we talk to couples about is, um, you know, imagine, imagine you're in the workplace and you want, um, you want to have a raise, you want an increase in your salary, you know, you don't catch your boss as they're walking past you on the way to the toilet. <laughs> you think, right, I need to have a port, an important conversation with my boss. So what I need to do is I need to make a meeting. And what a meeting is, basically, is making sure that you have a space and time where you're not going to be interrupted, where you're going to get their full attention and you're going to be able to give your full attention to it. So that that model we translate into couple work with what we call the marriage cup of tea. Right. Um, so, so I'm all for anything that's got tea involved. I'm, I'm right behind that. <laughs> So it's basically it's it's setting up that that space and time where you're um, you're not going to be interrupted, where your focus is going to be on each other. Um, you make it um, you make it time limited. So because one of the things that stops people getting into conversations is their fear that uh, you know if they start it will never stop. Yes. Yeah. So you you agree you know you agree a time limit say maybe five minutes and in that time each of you speak so I would speak to my partner and then my partner would reflect back to me what I've just said so I know then that they've understood yeah my partner would do the same thing and that I would reflect back to them so they know that I've understood. And then we, then you don't talk about it anymore. You leave it in that space and time 
just like you would, as I say, if you were going to ask your boss for a rise. You know, you don't. Yeah. You don't keep going. Oh, by the way, can I? Oh, by the way, can I? You kind of you contain it. You do it. You get the message across, and then you leave it, because if you kept. Uh, you know, as they say colloquially, pecking the head of your boss. Yeah. Eventually they say, do you know what? I'm fed up with you. Um, yeah. Go away. Um, don't talk to me anymore. And that's unfortunately what couples do. What you'll find is that sometimes the most important thing that they need to, to say to each other is sort of said as they're sort of getting the kids ready for school, doing the pack lunch, um, you know, getting them. And they do that because of the safety that, you know, they sort of know that if they say it then, they're not going to have a big conversation. Yeah. So creating that space where you know you can have a conversation, but it's not going on forever is a really useful technique. So we call it the marriage cup of tea. I thought it was interesting what you said about reflecting back what someone said, because I think one of the biggest things that couples will potentially say in an argument is, you're not listening to me. Yeah. You, you've not, I've said everything and you've looked like you were taking it in, but actually you've not, you've not understood what I'm saying to you. And so I think it's interesting that you say it's worthwhile taking the time to show that you have understood it and that you have taken it in before you then put your point of view across. Because yeah. it's kind of, that, that's a huge thing, isn't it, is, is going, you just don't get it. <laughs> and well, that, you know we've all uttered those words haven't we you're just not getting it and and I'm sure people have uttered them more and more over the last however many weeks of lockdown well one one of the things that we know about the brain is that once you lose your temper as it were you know you actually stop listening yeah and, and you know I'm sure everybody can identify with the idea that you know when you're having an argument with somebody all you're thinking about is what you're going to say next Yes. So you're not listening, you know, you've taken up that listening space and you've, you know, you're utilising it for something else, which again is why being able to have that calmness and that kind of containment, you know, it keeps people's mood um, on an even keel. Um, uh, it doesn't, um, I mean, it, you know, it kind of, it, it creates a really much better opportunity than the one where, you know, you have an argument and you start shouting at each other, you lose your temper, you start to say things which are critical of the other. Because the other key thing to the marriage cup of tea is you don't sit down and use the five minutes to tell your partner what you think is wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, you don't turn up with a list. No. And, no. and then start going, and another thing, and uh, yeah. another thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the key, the, key, the key language is what we call I language. So you sort of say... Um, you say, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, you know, if we go back to the menopause, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling the loss of, 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 um, of something about my life. You know, I'm, I'm sad about where I am in my life or I'm, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. You talk about you, what you don't yeah. do is saying, I'm thinking you're an absolute waste of space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or you're not, yeah, exactly. It's, you're kind of highlighting not a positive but it's something it's not a blame thing is it it's no. not it, otherwise you do get you can get into an endless cycle of finger pointing yeah. at you and going yeah. you're the cause of this I'm feeling like this and it's because of you yeah and, and, and you know when people feel blamed and attacked they get defensive and when yeah. they get te uh, defensive their defensive behavior gets triggered and they're never going to listen to you then so if you've ever had that thought um you're just not listening to me 
you probably could have a look at what you were doing at that point in time. Um, yeah. And why? How good your communication was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think that's on, on more on a, a, a menopause situation rather than the lockdown situation? <coughs> Excuse me. Do you think that's one of the reasons why in relationships there are issues because men simply don't know how women are feeling because women don't tell them? And so if I'm feeling older and less attractive and more anxious and less confident than I was five years ago, do I need to say that? Because I can't really expect them to know that without me saying it because they're a man and they're not a woman and therefore they're not necessarily experiencing what I'm experiencing. Absolutely, you need to say it. And absolutely... um... And, and what you what you draw from that is their empathic understanding um, of your feelings, not not what it's like to be you, but their empathic understanding of your feelings. And if you know, if you know, they call it they call it the male menopause. I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's you know, men are men are experiencing some of these things too. Yeah. And if you were having an empathic conversation, they might be able to say, do you know what? Um, I'm feeling exactly the same. Um, and you can you have a you have a meeting of minds then as opposed to something that drives you apart. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, you need to be able to say these things to your partner, and your partner needs to be able to show that they've heard you and understood you. Yeah, for you to kind of get that uh, empathy and that closeness because it's empathy that builds closeness and intimacy. And intimacy is a word that gets used a lot to mean things to do with sex but actually intimacy intimacy is being emotionally close yeah but now talking about sex let's talk about sex girl (laughs) i thought you'd never asked Dawn. yeah you see well it's a wet it's a wet thursday what can i tell you let's talk about sex on a wet thursday morning it's is it one of those things which a in lockdown people are suggesting in the media especially there's been a there's there's kind of been a suggestion that oh we're all in lockdown together and therefore couples time to experiment everybody you know and you, and does it put more pressure on couples to be kind of a bit more experimental than maybe they would have been because they see this in the media and they think everyone else is doing it there's there's always an everyone else is doing it from the minute you're about 14 and you think everyone else is doing it to the moment you're 60 or 70 and you think oh maybe I'm not having as much sex as everyone else maybe I'm having more than everyone else why is what's everyone else doing that I'm not doing and is is the pressure on us from the media perhaps at the moment especially in lockdown to think wait now's the time get on to Ann Summers you know a little bit of online shopping (laughs) maybe yeah maybe well um the uh, what what we talk about as sex therapists, we talk about uh, we talk about sexual activity as being um, a, a, a bio psychosocial paradigm. Wow, you've taken all the fun out of it there, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think it's a it's a good way of explaining that you know, in order to have a successful uh, sexual relationship you know bio you need to be well you know your body needs to be working you know you don't need that that's a psycho not that you're kind of psycho but yeah. that you're, although you're, sometimes 
yeah that but that your mind's in a good place you know that you're feeling warm and um, and then you've created that intimacy and empathy i mean i can remember being in nashville once and um hearing this country and western song where the chorus went it's hard to kiss the lips at night that chew your face off all day long you know so you you don't need to be doing that you know kind of because when the bedroom door closes that just doesn't disappear out of psychology um social is about is about context and what you're talking about the media films all of those things have an enormous influence on people's feelings about themselves when they're being sexual with a partner you know and that goes for body image um it goes for what activity looks like you know i'm i long to see a film where the couple meet in a bar and they before they go home and fall into bed and have amazingly successful sex they have a conversation about sexually transmitted diseases contraception you know these are all practicalities that just get wiped out when you're looking at the very idealized stuff that you sort of see in the media i've seen couples who really women particularly unfortunately who really really fret about their body shape you know the size of their tummy uh, is this you know i can't you know how can i take my clothes off if my yeah. tummy wobbles like it does um and i think whatever the media is saying at the moment about um about um about sex and what people should and shouldn't be doing is probably likely to be helpful to some people <laughs> helpful to others yeah um, but there's you know, no norm is there there is no well, norm no and you know there is no norm and there's no you know there's a lot of stuff talked about things like libido you know people will come up with the idea that they've got a low libido but you know i quite often find myself talking to couples about this you know you can't get a manual of if you want to make love two times a week you've got a medium sized libido it's all relative to who you're with so you might want to make love twice a week and your partner wants to make love once a month so you look like you've got a high libido you get rid of that partner and you get a new partner that the new one wants to make love five times a week and you only want to make love twice a week and you look like you've got a low libido so yeah. it's all relative to who you're with basically but yeah. in, in the house now you know you've got kids you've got teenagers you've got people coming home from university you've got lots of things that are going to make you feel uh, inhibited i would think yes yeah. So a bit of S and M and climbing the walls and <laughs> it's not the right time, is it? No, it's not no. the right time to create a dungeon, is it? No. So take the Although, pressure. Do you know if we created a dungeon in our house, I think we'd, I'd just go there to read. I just <laughs> I'm going to be like I've created a sex dungeon. I'm going down there. No need to follow me. It's okay. And then I'd just take a I'd just take a book and a, a glass of wine down with me. I think that might be a great idea. Sounds it, like a good idea. It really does, doesn't it? Do you think? In, aside from lockdown, do you think that in as couples get older and potentially they've been in relationships for longer, um, and a lot of friends of mine have got of children are either on the verge of leaving home or have already left home. When you get to kind of forties, fifties, a lot of people's children are leaving home or have left. Is it quite is it quite a nice time in a relationship because, especially sexually, because you aren't encumbered by children who can be a blight on people's sex life because they're there all the time and they walk in and they do you know and and you're tired and you've got and there's an element of domestic 
routine, which I think takes the edge off the excitement of a, a relationship, or it can do, can't it? And you definitely get that more, I think, when you have children, because there are more things to do routinely. So yeah. there's all the pack lunches to make and all the clothes to get ready and all the books to do and all the homeschooling and all these kind of things. And you end up with a pile of domestic drudgery, if you like. Once that kind of eases off a bit when they leave home, is it a good time then potentially to rediscover the relationship and the sex life that you had before they came along, if you approach it right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the... Um... Absolutely. The one, you know, we in, in in the work in our work, we we talk about life stages. So, you know, a life stage would be having children, for example. You know, things change massively then um, because you know you become a parent and, and all that kind of thing. And another another life stage is is children leaving home, retirement, all of those kind of things. Um, and it, it, it is a huge opportunity, but of course, what comes over the hill then are all these physical changes in a person, in women and in men. Um, and again, they can spiral away from one another if they don't, if they can't talk to one another about it. Um, but for women, I, you know, the menopause is 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 a, a period of time that needs to be navigated but it's also a time when you know they have more time and space they maybe have more energy they maybe have more time to themselves um they they aren't they haven't got the teenagers um you know hanging about the, the, the house they're not awake at night waiting for them to come home you know where the hell are they have they fallen forward the road <laughs> yes you know so there's a lot of uh kind of peripheral well not peripheral but there's there's you know externally experienced stresses and anxieties have gone and you know they should see well they should i mean i would be a great advocate of them seeing this as a time of renaissance of a time of working f and, and and a lot of women that you do see in sex therapy um are more interested uh, once you know once they've got their hormone replacement or whatever right they are more interested in being sexual with their partner but it's their partner who's suffering from some erectile dysfunction or some loss of libido or some worries about their performance um and, and are they less likely to seek help i think women have become very good at potentially or, or certainly friends i know have become very good at getting help for, for menopausal symptoms and get hopefully getting the right kind of replacement, if not HRT, then some kind of other way of dealing with it. Men, I guess, are traditionally notoriously poor at getting medical help for anything, and especially things that are quite that are as personal as, as sexually related issues. So women then in the relationship could get on top of their half a bit do you then, yeah, like you say, potentially have the frustration that the men not only have problems of their own, but are less likely to seek help for them? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, if you, again, if you think culturally, if you think about, um, can I say the word penises? Oh, you may. <laughs> oh, um, if you think... If See, you look think... what happens when you say the word. <laughs> I've just been struck down. You it was like a lightning bolt we couldn't see then, wasn't it? <laughs> if you think about, you know, my biopsychosocial paradigm, you know, men are meant to have penises that work all the time. Um, and, you know, if they, ha if they start to have 
times in their lives when they don't work, they get very, very anxious about that. And, you know, what, what a lot of people don't understand is that it's the anxiety that then exacerbates the problem. Yeah. And men will withdraw um, and come up with all sorts of, I mean, I won't bore you with some of the reasons why I've heard men, when they come for sex therapy, they normally come, I mean, they come with their partners and they've got some sort of other reason for why they're there. And because of my experience, I begin to realise that there's maybe something else here. And it takes quite a lot of um, kind of walking around the topic to the point where they will say, actually, I'm suffering from some loss of um, erectile function. Um, and, um, you know, we call it, th- what, what is it that we call it? We call it impotence. I mean, you know, we, we don't use great language with any, for any of this stuff, you know. Um, more modernly now, we talk about erectile dysfunction, but, um, and they, they, they're, you know, it's a very, very difficult thing for, for a lot of men. Yeah. So you have to dance around the top. You've had to sort of find every which way to get to, 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 to the actual root of the problem, if you like, before. It, no, no man's ever going to blurt that out, are they, straight away? No. And, I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, one of the things, again, culturally and characteristically about men and women, which I think is a, is a, is a plus thing for women, is women tend to talk about these things to their friends um, and they yeah. get a lot of support and they actually get a lot of information that way. Men, you know, can you imagine they go to the golf club, you know, when they're walking around the course, do you suppose they sort of said, do you know, what are your erections like at the moment? Because you know? <laughs> yeah. mine are a bit, all right, that's that, you know, never happened in the never history of ever, is it? Never happened. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even sure we want it to. <laughs> no one wants that really, do they? I mean, I'll just ask you one more question because I'm aware that we, we are time slightly time limited, but... If you, I know there's no, you know, there's no magic ingredient to relationships in lockdown or in in late in menopause. If you have one piece of advice to give to couples, that's the starting point for keeping a relationship on track, not necessarily for repairing it. Is it to talk? Yeah. Is is talking the big thing? Communicating, not yes. not talking, not chit chat. Mm. Doing that marriage cup of tea saying what you feel, talking in our language, I feel this, I feel that, not I think you're a waste of space. I feel, I feel, I feel. Your partner says, I understand that you feel, you feel, you feel. And, and you know, it's isn't it obvious that that's going to make a difference? Yeah. That your partner's going to then understand what you feel? And once they do, can you teach an old dog new tricks in the bedroom? Or the oh, living absolutely, room? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, kids have gone. Every room now. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. I mean, you know, Dawn, don't limit yourself to the house. <laughs> well, at the moment, obviously, we're all in lockdown. Yeah, of course. Once the parks get open again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time, Gail. It's You're been, welcome. It, it's been really interesting. I hope it's been really helpful for people. I hope so, too. And if you really want some extra help, do come to Relate, because we're very, very good at this sort of work. Absolutely. I mean, is the is the help on the website, or do people need to pick up a phone and say, "I need some help"? You you pick up the phone. I go to the website. The, the phone numbers are there, and and lots of counsellors are working, uh, you know, in a virtual medium. So there's still, you know, you can still it's still talk. available. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. Absolutely.
You can download the Menopod podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate and review the Menopod and help other listeners to discover us too. This is a Laudable production for the Liverpool Echo. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media on Twitter, where we're at Laudable Pods, and on Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. Mm-hmm.